Welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Parada, and I'm here with Dan Rudman. We are entering into uh, the third episode in a series on evangelism. And so we've been talking about, well, what is evangelism? You know, we hear this word, uh, we we hear in our Christian circles that we should be doing evangelism. What does that mean? And so we've, in episode one, we kind of defined what evangelism is, and we said it's the proclamation of the gospel message, with really with the intent of bringing somebody to the response of faith and repentance. And so we really kind of honed in on the content. What is this content? What is this message of the gospel? Paul talks about that there's only one gospel as he's as he's speaking to the Galatians in, in Galatians one. And so this is this is the the center of evangelism. It's this gospel message. And this gospel message has to have the utmost integrity. We we can't we can't mess with this message. We can't change it around or or take the edges off you could say in order to appease man the world doesn't like the gospel it offends them so we need to make sure that when we go evangelizing uh, we have to make sure that our gospel message has the utmost integrity and that it is the gospel that is revealed to us in the scriptures then we went on to ask the question you know is evangelism something just for the pastors just for the ministry leaders just for the evangelist type person or is this a call for all believers and we we looked at the scriptures especially the great commission and we see indeed that uh, the call of evangelism is for every believer every believer should go out and make disciples which we said is believers make people who are christians make people who actually have the Holy Spirit. And again, that is, uh, that is the work of the Holy Spirit, though, to regenerate somebody through the preaching of the gospel. And then we ask, well, who is this person called the evangelist? Because we see some people in the, in the New Testament who are called evangelists. Uh, and we, we saw that, hey, maybe this person called the evangelist is actually more of like a, a church leadership type person, somebody who equips the saints for the work of ministry. But now we're really going to segue into a discussion on methods. So we've talked about how evangelism is the proclamation of the gospel message. Now we're going to talk about methods. And when we talk about methods, we have to make sure that we don't start to impose our methodology on the actual message of the gospel itself. And this is what people end up doing. They start to kind of... uh, uh, put methods and the message together into this one thing, and then what ends up happening is that our our different methods start to mean a different gospel. Like, oh, well, my method for these people is that I'm not going to talk about this. I'm not going to talk about wrath. I'm not going to talk about repentance. I'm not going to talk about this. And that's that's not a different method. That's, that's just changing the gospel. That's what we don't want to do. And so we got to make sure that when we talk about methods— uh, we're not in, we're not uh, changing the message of the gospel at all. That has to have the utmost integrity. So, to put kind of a simple definition on on what methods are, I, I would say it's, I would say this. It's very simple. It's just methods. Methods are the ways in which we get to the proclamation of the gospel. So, what are the different avenues, the different roads that I'm going to take to get to the place? where I am able to actually preach, proclaim, and proclaim the gospel message to someone? What are the ways that I'm going to do that? How am I able to do that? And so we we bring in all these different, you know, ideas that allow us to, to get to a proclamation. And again, 
the circumstances of life and our varying relationships with people, they're so complex, you could say infinitely complex, that methodology in evangelism really is, in a sense, infinite. There's, there's a, a ton of ways that we could figure out how to get to the proclamation of the gospel. And in a sense, there is really no right way or wrong way as long as the proclamation of the gospel um, you know, if as long as the message of the gospel that we proclaim is is the true message that is revealed in Scripture, so I kind of want to just read a a passage to kind of set the tone for us from First Corinthians chapter nine, and so the context of this passage is basically, you know. The Corinthians are are questioning Paul's apostleship. Hey, I don't know if you're really the the real deal. Uh, you didn't ask for money from us. Paul's saying, "Hey, I have every right to get money from you, but I I didn't ask for money from you because I thought it would be an obstacle to the gospel because of basically their their preconceptions and their presuppositions and some of the beliefs that they had going around in their church." So he said, I didn't want to put an obstacle in the way of the gospel for you. So you could say his methodology was to not ask for money from them. And that, in a sense, gave him the ability to share the gospel. But then he goes on to say this, to kind of prove his point. And this is in verse 19. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law. Though not being myself under the law that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, um, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might I may share it with them in its blessings. And so again, all these different people, you got Jews, you got Gentiles, you got the weak, you got the strong, you got all these different types of people that we interact with on a daily basis. You know, we have people from different cultures, different languages, like we know this, we know this. So Paul's like, when it comes to the gospel, I want to, I want to take down every obstacle that I possibly can that's going to get in the way of me proclaiming the gospel to somebody. So if this person's weak, I want to become weak that gives me a chance to share the gospel. Because he, he says at the very end, he wants to share in the blessings of the gospel with people. He wants to share in the blessings of the gospel with everyone, if he can. So he's going to become like someone. And he's not saying take on their sinful their sinful habits or their, the aspects of their culture that are wrong and sinful. And that's not what he's saying. So when he says become like a Jew, he's not saying I'm going to all of a sudden just like think that I have to you know obey all these laws. But in a sense, though, he's going to respect their, their um, you could say their culture, their beliefs, in a sense, to, uh, to proclaim the gospel to them. So that's really methodology. What are the obstacles that I'm taking down? What are the avenues that I'm taking in order to get to the proclamation of the gospel message? And again, very complex. There's all these ideas there's all these ways that we can, you know, that we've probably even used in our own lives that we could talk about. There's probably a lot of stories that we could tell about our methods for evangelism. There really is no right way, uh, but there is only one message. So that's what we got to make sure 
we um, we understand. And so here's Dan te- was teasing us in the last episode. He teased us at the very end of the last episode. Um, so I kind of want to segue into that a little bit. But basically, what we have to make sure in methodology is that we, again, I've been, this is I've been on this hobby horse for the last five minutes when I've been talking. There has to be a proclamation. There has to be a word spoken. There has to be an actual message that we preach. Our methods can't be, oh yeah, I'm gonna do this and and, and have it not be a proclamation of the gospel. So, what were you teasing us with, Dan? On the well, last yeah, episode yeah. You- well, you've said a bunch of stuff right now. <clears throat> would you? I know. Would you call it hobby? <laughs> well, I just love it. I mean, I you know I'm all jazzed up hearing you speak because you're so. Um, you have such an affection for this, and you should, and, I, and rightfully so. And obviously, that draws us together. And I do think a certain giftedness and callings in life. Uh, there's a principle called like attracts like. It's pretty common. Yeah, which makes sense, you know. And God draws people together right. that have similar uh, desires. So um, I resonate with what you're saying. So I have a few thoughts. Okay, one, you you gave me you you threw me this softball to hit over the fence. I guess to. Yeah. Segue. But I just said yeah. I just said, you know, think think of the Pythagorean theorem. If I were to say to yep. you, I live out the Pythagorean theorem. That's what I do. That's how I I wit I, I witness, you know, if we're talking about I witness right. the Pythagorean theorem to my life. Yeah. And you'd have to say, Well, how could you possibly do that? Well, you can't. Yeah. Because and this is the point. You you know we 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 already talked about this a lot in the in the prior sessions in this full blown you know podcast of a number of sessions. Yep. The gospel is a message like a Pythagorean theorem. It's knowledge. It's yeah. it's actual knowledge that God has brought from the heavenlies and given us. Yeah. And and you have to speak it. You have to communicate it. And yeah. the you know the beginning of your Bible. I, I always get in this is fascinating when we talk about this personal God we say the you know our first building block of everything that any discussion we begin with is God is God exists yep. and we're not talking yep. about any God you know you and I know we talked a lot about the Sam in the past and other things it's not just any God it's not just theism it is like the God the God that actually exists right. he's personal right. he's infinite he's triune he communicates um, he's not mm. quiet mm. You know, he spoke everything into existence. Jesus mm-hmm, is known as mm-hmm. the Logos, the Word, the communication. And I could labor that in a whole discussion. And I could show you mm-hmm. in your Bible. You know, Jesus, I gave them your Word. And I know that they're yours because they've kept your Word. Word, Word, like communication. And so, yes, you can't live out the Pythagorean theorem. You have to speak it, communicate it. Right. Right. So you have to say, hey, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Right. The point in that is simply this is the gospel. You have to you can't just live it out. Now, with that said, this I loved your statement. I've been taking notes as you've been kind of doing your introductory, Sam. Um, I love your word of complexity because we have to be careful. And even in a podcast, as you and I talk, I would want I'd want people to have enough time. Let me just step back this mic. I would my kids or anybody would ask me these questions. I'd be on you know a panel at a university or you know my kids would come in as teens or early twenties and they have this question, Dad, don't you know just give us the quick answer. And I would joke about, oh, yeah. you want you want the Google answer? That's what I would say. Right, but right, right. The problem is, the problem is, obviously, you know, I like to talk and communicate, and so there's a part of that I get that. But these things yeah. are not just a quick answer. 
And so the complexity, I want to affirm what you're saying, Sam. Obviously, I want to get to this proclamation of the gospel with every person I meet. And the, yeah. com- the complexity is there are people, literally, that I have met in my lifetime on a sidewalk at a magazine rack who God divinely put there. And I have literally have stories of people who I've met who to this day walk with Christ 20, 30 years later that I met and shared the gospel with in a moment in time, and they came to Christ. Yeah. yeah, and, I, yeah. I, and we'll talk about it. I don't mean, I didn't just get them to pray with me. In most cases, I don't. I tell them to go turn from their sin and trust Christ. And then they come and tell me these stories of how they came to Christ. And so mm. I have stories like that in my life. But that's mm-hmm. not But that's not the norm. That's not, that, those, mm-hmm. those are wonderful stories to tell people. And I love doing that. But the norm is, hanging out with somebody for four or five years. And the complexity is, you know, it's an ebb and it's a flow. And sometimes you're kind of, and we can get get more to that, but sometimes you're stepping in yeah. more spiritual discussion. And so, you know, while I'm always about answering any question and getting, and we'll talk more about that too, but in getting to the gospel, I also yeah, know yeah. that there is a complexity here and we can be fair about that. So here's the point in this. Of course, I, I am to live a certain life before the world. I am to yeah. be salt and light, even in the way I live. Yeah. Of course we are. I'm supposed to, you know, pursue holiness. But although that's not even for my witness, it's because it glorifies God and it's the way I'm supposed to live. And right, I would, exactly. And, and in doing that, I would like to think, at least, that at times in my life, I portray the life of Christ that's attractive to people. Now, yep. I hope it's more than I think. I know I've screwed up. I mean, I'm, you know, yeah. Sam, you and I've had friendships. We have mutual friendships where I've stepped on somebody's toes or something, and that bothers me. Right. I mean, good night. Right. Why right. would that bother? Of course, it bothers me. It eats my lunch. But the fact of the mm-hmm. matter, the fact of the matter is, is that if the gospel, God is hinging the gospel in this world, and somebody going, oh, I want to be like Dan. I'm. <laughs> we're in trouble. Like everybody's in trouble. Well, I mean, I mean like, even. So that's I just want to I just want to tie that together tie that well, tie well, that's, right. that's the point of the Pythagorean theorem is that what they need to hear is the gospel I hope my life portrays it to a maybe even a large degree but I tell you that it's not just about my life it's about the gospel this well, message it, Exactly <laughs> I mean even if you live this morally perfect life yeah. let's just say or an attractive mean, life you're a cool guy that everybody wants attractive, to yeah, yeah it's like you, you don't worry about anything yeah, right. you know blah 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 Whatever, whatever's all the fruits attractive of the spirit. Right. yep all the fruits of the spirit when is when at that point is all of a sudden somebody going to realize uh the righteousness of Christ is imputed to me through faith Right, like when is that going to come out of that? Right, when is it kind of come out of that? Like, like these these that God that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. When is that truth going to jump out of your life? Yeah, like those are things you got to communicate. Yeah, that's the and point. they've been communicated to us through the scriptures. Yeah, and I hope you know again. I hope the uh, the other stuff matches up to it. Now, let me tell you another little thing that happens in this. And gosh, this, I was just even thinking this podcast could go for hours of stories and examples. So it might turn in. <laughs> we might have to make the, it a part well, two. The, yeah, the, the, this one might be part two. Seriously, I could see that because there's so many cool stories I could share. But another oh, yeah. another little mistake in this, though. Think of this. This is what happens, though. Okay, so I get to build a friendship with. Okay, so I could say on the front end, somehow, maybe I haven't articulated, but I, I want to be friends with the unbelieving world. Okay. 
Yeah. And I build a friendship. And I, my hope is, man, I want to be a witness. Okay. But this actually happens. Now you build a friendship with this person. Well, after a while, you've built this friendship. You don't want to risk the friend, lose loss of the friendship as you've, you know, in a sense, love this person. <laughs> I mean, not just not not just like the agape love of Christ, but you've you've learned to really enjoy this person and you really like them yeah, and yeah. you're friends. Well, now, yeah. now at some point you're going to say, um, you know, by the way, um, you know, I really I want to talk to you about this reality. of, You know, I mean, you know what I mean? It doesn't work quite like that. But the point being is like people are now afraid of stressing a friendship. And they don't want to bring in the yep. gospel when it started out that way. It's the same thing. It's really funny how that thing, it actually works that way. It's just kind of crazy. And so. Oh, yeah. Happens all the time. All the time. So, you know, we already labored this, but Jesus said that, um, you know, there was going to be an offense for the gospel. Jesus said they, you know, if they crucified me, they're going to crucify you. If they called me Satan, they're going to call you Satan. Uh, he warned yep. his men of that. He said, do not fear these things. Uh, let me jump back here. I'm opening my Bible. Um, I'm thinking Matthew 9, 10. Matthew 10, this is all in. The meaning of discipleship. Uh, you know, nothing's concealed that won't be revealed. Uh, I would tell you in darkness, speak in the light. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. I mean, you can go through that. It's Matthew 10. But it's this reality. He's already warned them way ahead of time. Like, not everybody's going to like you. And so, again, mm -hmm. I hope we've framed this well enough to go, I don't want to be obnoxious. I've seen people be obnoxious with the gospel, just trying to, you know, hammer people. And right. I don't want to do that. I want to be honest, though. Um, I do right. like to be liked and be a friend. But at some point, you have to speak the truth. And there, there's no question there's going to be people. You've got to take the risk. And there's going to be people that just dislike the message, dislike you because of it. And right. And I don't want to add anything to that unduly, but the fact of the matter is that's going to happen. You have to accept that. Yep. And that's no. And that's that's just the way it works. And that's what's so great about the. I mean, the passage that we brought up a couple episodes ago with Second Corinthians two twelve through seventeen. Yeah. I mean, this God always leads us in triumphal procession. Yeah. So what? whether it's a, a message from death to death, life to life. It's glorifying to God. Yep. In fact, Sam, that was the other thing. When you in your introduction, I was writing a few notes here. I thought, oh, I want to make, touch on a couple things. Okay, so I want to hit that, but let me take one step back from that and just say, as we're talking about here, we're we're we're, yep. u we're using a word that Paul uses in Second Corinthians five that actually we've used as a title of the ministry that you and I are associated with, and it's an yeah. ambassador for Christ. And it's a yep. wonderful word, really. You think about being an ambassador; it's a representative. Yep. And so if I'm going to be a representative of Christ in this world, there is a way I live. There is a way I respond and act. No question. Okay. So I want my life to yep. be congruent, consistent with what I say is true. Uh, and when I'm not, I want to repent. I want to even demonstrate that. In a family life, I had five children. I had to demonstrate to my kids the best I could that I re I'm repenting. You know, I mean, I need to show my, my kids need to know, of course, I'm, I'm a, I screw up. Yeah, right. That's called a broken life, a repentant life over my sin. And, you know, there's a way to handle that. But the point is an ambassador is representative. But it also, the ambassador has a message from his country, which is what we're talking about, the proclamation of the gospel. But there's a further part of the ambassador. The ambassador understands the culture that he's connected to. And you brought that up in the yep. introduction. You know, the weak to the weak, strong to the strong. You know, there's a way of 
and we'll get into that when we talk about apologetics, essentially. Um, again, it's a big word today, and it's pretty common. If people are listening to this, my guess is they've heard of apologetics, they know about apologetics, and I would want to, that may turn into another session. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> the big point is I'm trying to build a bridge to a person, and part of that bridge is truly understanding that person and where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And I have to be honest, as I get older, I, I hope I'm getting better at this. I know I'm under conviction about it. Uh, you and I were talking earlier about a guy, a young guy. Like, I need to understand mm-hmm. the world he comes from. Of course he doesn't come from my world. This guy, you know, right. you know, I were talking, and you know what I'm talking about. There's something about being even kind and understanding, going, oh, of course that's how he would operate and respond to things, because that's mm-hmm. what he knows, right? And so... Mm-hmm. I need to know that, which which means mm-hmm. in this world of evangelism and methodology, I need to understand the people I'm communicating to. I need to understand their world, what makes them tick. Their and that's st- what Paul was talking about. Right, right. So now, stepping back in, where was I at? Oh, I was at this other point then, um, when you just brought up Second Corinthians, because that was another note I had. Okay, so the ambassador idea leads us to communicate. And when we communicate, they may like us, they may hate us. Now, one of the things I want to emphasize, Sam, and you were spot on. I'm not disagreeing. I just want to emphasize. When you were talking about we are to go make disciples, making disciples are people with the Holy Spirit. If you will, we are to go do that. And I agree. I agree with that just, you know, on on the face of it. Um, I think that's very biblical, and we can, again, show lots of case for that. Um, At the same time, I think the word I like to use, and maybe I use it more the last number of years, um, I go back to Genesis, and you've heard mm-hmm. me talk about mm-hmm. this, Sam, but uh, man participated with God. God created a garden that could have taken care mm. of itself, but he told Adam to work right, it. Right, right. And we talked right. about, I think in the early, the first session, we talked about a seed. You know, there's this life in a seed, and I can't put life in there. I can't make that thing. In a real sense, I can't make it grow. All I can do is plant right. it. Okay, so I just want to say, yes, we go make disciples, but in another sense, I'd want people to understand, we don't make disciples, God makes disciples. It's, how, you know, right. I, 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 it's just a clarification. I'd say, at the end of the day, yep. it's really God that does this. He that began a good work right. is going to complete it. And so exactly. I, I participate, there's no question. And if we could see it that way, like, oh, this isn't even an invitation from God, even though he commands us, but it really is sort of an invitation. Hey, come participate with me. Mm-hmm. And, and the early participation was in the garden. Then there was a participation in men and women having children, procreation, which right. is which is an interesting discussion in our day. We've been so influenced by a secular world that is, even having children, I'm serious. I want to be careful how right. where we go with that. But like we've been called to have children, to to reproduce, to 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 flourish the glory of God in the world with children. And we have this idea like that, like children are an encumbrance to our life, an encumbrance to money. Oh, don't let me go down a rabbit trail. But um, the point, the point is, is that early on, think of procreation. It's a, a unbelievably divine participation. Mm-hmm. Children, you know, ordained before the foundations of the world. And yet I actually participate and I'm not trying to be weird, but we do. It's crazy. Well, it's crazy. Right. So, so let me just finish. All I want to say is think of the gospel. It's the same thing. Like, like I, yeah. I, I deliver this message. I do my part. I cultivate. I try to make it make sense. I build friendships. I do what I do to get to this message that I want to deliver to somebody. And then in a sense, while I may continue to cultivate it, I stand back and I wait for you know, this, this, this supernatural magic to happen. 
And may and mm. I hope people don't misunderstand magic in a bad way. You know, it's <laughs> apocalyptic. But you know what I mean. It's like it's like wow, like that. Boom! This thing happens. You know, this person's converted. And again, I have a lot of stories in my life of people who, to this day, I mean, they are changed human beings. It's amazing to me. I mean, we're changed it's because amazing. of the guess. But it's so much fun to look back and go. And they, and, you know, and then, of course, they think I'm, you know, the greatest thing under the sun because I brought them the gospel. And I'm like, you know, they get to know me and I'm a normal guy, but like they just, <laughs> it's amazing, right? And all I did was give them this gospel that actually converted them. God used mm. that in this profile. And it's like, wow. So mm. those are some clarifications. Pythagorean theorem, we participate. There is a complexity in the participation. It isn't all encapsulated in one little five minute. 10 minute, one hour thing. It's, there's different variations right. in it. And then I just want, you know, I just want to emphasize, you know, and we're ambassadors. We're to try understand the world. So that opens up lots of doors, but. Oh yeah. Tons of doors. Hey, do you Tons want me, you want me to read this little story I told you? I do want you to read. So Dan has a little story here yeah. and uh, <laughs> this is just, again, you could just say that all that we've been talking about so far of it has been an introduction to this topic of methods and evangelism. I guess, yeah. Now, and then Dan now has a little story he's going to read, which is going to really just show us <laughs> the pitfalls of this type of discussion. Yeah. So, so I was given this literally 35 years ago. So I think it's written by a guy by the name of Jim Drescher. So if Jim, if you're out there, this was a cool story you wrote here. Um, uh, I think, I think he, uh, I, I'm not going to say any more than that. I think he was with a, a Christian organization and I, I think I heard mm -hmm. a little bit about him, but I really don't know him. It's just, but it's a great little read. So, um, right. So let me read this to you, and then we'll qualify a couple of things, but it's kind of fun. Okay, so now it came to pass that a group existed who called themselves, oh, by the way, it's called the Parable of the Fishless Fishermen, okay? So now it came to pass that a group existed who called themselves fishermen, and lo, there were many fish in the waters all around. In fact, the whole area was surrounded by streams and lakes filled with fish, and the fish were hungry. Week after week, month after month, and year after year, these who called themselves uh, fishermen met in meetings and talked about their call to fish, the abundance of fish, how they might go about fishing. They carefully defined what fishing means, defended fishing as an occupation, and declared that fishing was always to be the primary task of the fishermen. They were continuously searching for new and better methods of fishing. They sponsored costly nationwide and worldwide congresses to discuss fishing and to promote and hear all the ways of fishing. These fishermen built large, beautiful buildings called fish fishing fellowships. The plea was that everyone should be a fisherman and every fisherman should fish. One thing they didn't have time to do, however, they did not fish. Now, they organized a board to send out fishermen to where there were many fish. The board was formed by those who had great vision and courage to speak about fishing, to promote the idea of fishing in faraway streams and lakes where many other fish of different colors lived. The board, that's funny, the board hired staff and appointed committees and held meetings to define fishing, to defend fishing, and to decide what new streams should be thought about. But the staff and the committee members did not fish. Expensive training centers were built to teach fishermen how to fish. Those who taught had doctorates in fishology, but the teachers only taught fishing. They did not fish. Year after year, graduates were sent to do full-time fishing, some to distant waters filled with fish. Many who felt the call to be fishermen responded. 
They were commissioned and sent to fish. But like the fishermen back home, they engaged in all kinds of occupations, building power plants to pump water for fish and using tractors to plow new waterways. And while all their work was very good, they did not fish. Further, the fishermen built large printing houses to publish fishing guides. Presses were kept busy day and night to produce material solely devoted to fishing methods, equipment, and programs <laughs> to arrange and encourage meetings to talk about fishing. <laughs> oh, I'm not done here. Okay. Uh, speakers Bureau was also provided to schedule speak special speakers on the subject of fishing. Some also said they wanted to be part of the fishing party, but they felt called the first furnish fishing equipment instead. Others felt their job was to relate to fish in a good way so the fish would know the difference between a good and a bad fisherman. Others felt that letting the fish know they were nice land-loving neighbors and how loving and kind they were was enough, so they did not fish. Hmm. After one stirring meeting on the necessity for fishing, a young fellow left the meeting and went fishing. The next day he reported he had caught an outstanding fish. He was told that he had a special gift of fishing. He <laughs> <laughs> he was honored for his excellent catch and scheduled to visit all the big meetings possible to tell how he did it. He was also placed on the Fisherman's General Board as a person having considerable experience. <laughs> so in order to have time to tell all of everybody about the experience to all the other fishermen, he quit fishing. Now it's true that oh, man. many, many of the fishermen, fishermen sacrificed and put up with all kinds of difficulties. Some lived near the water and bore the smell of dead fish every day. They received the ridicule of some who made fun of their fishermen's clubs and the fact that they never fished. They wondered about those who felt it was of little use to attend the weekly meetings to talk about fishing. After all, were they not f to follow the master who said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men? Imagine how hurt some were when one day a, fish, a person suggested that those who didn't catch fish were really not fishermen, no matter how much they claimed to be. Yet it did sound correct. Is a person a fisherman if year after year he never catches a fish? Is one following if he isn't fishing? Hmm. Ah! Right. Wow. Now, place fishing with evangelism. <laughs> there it is. No, it's a great little story, right? Now, let me qualify right. a couple things. I want to tell you what comes to my mind when I read this story. Yeah. There is a woman, her her husband, uh, she passed away a few years ago and went to be with the Lord. And I absolutely adored this woman. And her husband is still alive. He's a friend of mine. Um, yeah, I just love these people. Her name was mm -hmm. Jane. I'll just tell you, her name was Jane Nutell. Her husband is Albert. He was an elder in our church. She's this, you know, a Dutchman from the real country. They came here to the U.S., became a mm -hmm. very successful uh, organ. Uh, if you've ever heard of Ruder organ, he crafted Ruder organs. The, those great big ones that you see in cathedrals with all the pipes mm. and everything. He made, he, mm -hmm. they were made right here in Lawrence, Kansas. Mm. The reason I tell you this is that Jane Nutell always had this heart for evangelism. Mm. And she would have this old, you know, this old Dutch accent when she would talk to me yeah but when i read that story here's my point she would get tears in her eyes she would start crying and she said i don't know if i've ever led anybody to christ and she hmm. felt like she failed in evangelism and so hmm. when i read this i th this has got this has got you know a two-edged sword one side yeah we need to be convicted about our failure in some of those areas we really do right but we also i would want to encourage the jane Nutels of life who i did the very fact that she was burdened about it, she prayed about it. I, how many people are probably in the kingdom today because she prayed for them? 
Right. And she doesn't even know. And how right. many how many people actually came to Christ, maybe even after she was taken to be with the Lord because she planted the gospel in their life? Right. She doesn't know. And right. so I want to qualify this and be very careful when we talk about evangelism. This is one of my caution issues, is about the, you said it earlier, the complexity. Yeah. I, I am to deliver this gospel. My heart, her heart was all about the gospel, and she could literally, she had told me at the end of her life, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody come to Christ, and it was a great burden for her. I heard mm. that story. In fact, Robbie Zacharias passed away this week. You know, we're here mm-hmm. in the middle of May 2020. You know, it's a glorious day for Robbie. It's a loss for us. You know, it's kind of this mixed right. feeling. <laughs> but um, I remember him telling a story that, you know, he this older man that he saw, maybe the man was near the end of his life too. The man grieved because he felt like his life was a failure in that his life, he really didn't see a lot of people respond to the gospel in his life. This guy had a burden, except for, it's interesting that the only guy he ever knew that came to Christ through something he'd done, he'd given a Bible or prayed or spoke the gospel. Yep. It was Ravi. I mean, this guy some had this huge influence on Ravi's life somehow. In this, right. and, and, and it's like, yeah. I mean, it's so... I'd want to make sure when I read this fish, you know, this parable, that there's people there that that are sitting there that they just they just love the gospel and they want people to know the gospel and they've never really seen the guy on the street like I've seen come to Christ. Yeah, doesn't mean that they were ineffective. Doesn't mean they didn't do right. exactly. And that's the complexity. They don't know how this whole thing shapes and works and the dynamics exactly. are going on. So it's more about a heart for it. I want to communicate yeah. this to people. I want to be part of the communication to people. So I would even say this. There are people that say, no, I want to. I mean, Sam, you're in my ministry is because people furnish us. There's people helping right. you right now. I know some of these men provide an education. They're paying for it. They're giving you money. Let's just be honest. They're giving you finances to finish your education yep. seminary. And that is yep. their contribution. Yep. And if their heart is about the gospel and there's, that's their contribution, even on a corporate level, that is their contribution. Just like on an individual level, I have men today that I'm building friendships with that I haven't fully spoke the full gospel to yet. I'm, right, I'm, I'm, right. Mid, I'm sort of midstream with them, if you want to say that. So if you go to a corporate level, it's the same way. Of course, there's people that supply furnishings and p- provide you know, power plants and printing presses for materials. I don't want to make light of that. But, but we have to check our souls and go, do I think that's all I need to do? And and your emphasis is, and part of it's your giftedness as a preacher, and we've been called to do this, is we've got to get this message out. Mm, we've got to right. preach the gospel to people. Right. That's, exactly. That's the whole point of this 30 minutes we've had here. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, at the end of the day, it's like, we talk about methods, and I think that story yep. is perfect because it's like, Okay, let's just stop talking about it and let's just go yeah. proclaim the gospel. Yep, right. And, and and that's kind of my heartbeat is, yeah, it's just like we can, again, I mean, and that's what's so insightful about that, that story because there, it is really, it does hit a grain of truth. Oh, it does. you have these these giant conferences, all these giant training manuals, all this stuff, <laughs> the talkable methods, and yep. this is how you got to do it. This is blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, oh, my goodness. Blah, 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 blah. And you're just like, just go, like. Yep. And I think, like, once somebody starts to develop um, consistent evangelism in their life, where they're consistently mm-hmm. speaking the gospel to people, preaching the gospel to people, or, or you know, 
planting seeds, mm-hmm. you know, tilling the soil, you could say, you realize, you know, it's not as complex. Maybe, okay, I said it's complex, but then it's like, but it's not maybe as complex as maybe everybody wants to say it is. It's actually, maybe I want to say it's more organic. It's much more organic than it's it is. Not this, it's not this just formula. Do this, 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 boom. Here's yeah. the result. In fact, I think I think that would be maybe we tie organic to complexity. We're kind of saying the same yeah. thing. We're like we're like you live this out, and you're always looking for opportunities to get to the gospel. And even as the church, a corporate group of people could be part of that. Yeah. If the heart is we're trying to get to this place of the gospel, we're trying to so right. and without yeah. And so I like the organic idea of it. There's no question. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It. it and that's it comes he really comes back down to God's sovereignty. And that's what yep. we've been trying to show too is like at the end of the day, it's God who finds his lost sheep, it's God who saves yep. the you know, his 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 elect. So you know, this is a perfect time to tell your story that uh that you have about your old uh professor. Oh, that yeah, okay. So he was yep. a young guy. This, young is, a good, guy this is a good story. This will this will prove a point. This is a young guy at the time. Okay, so Again, whenever I talk publicly, I'm careful. I'm maybe because I, I have so many people, the friendships and relationships in my life. It's crazy the people I know. Oh, you I got just, so many good stories. I, it's fun. So, so this guy's, uh, uh, he was a. He, I had a class at one point uh, through the. It was actually connected to the Billy Graham Association. I was connected mm-hmm. to that network of itinerant evangelists. And I had a, I was working on some educational things, graduate education things. So I had a, uh, this class on the itinerant evangelism, and our professor's name was Tim. I won't mention his last name now. Nothing private or anything, but he told the story in our class. Okay, so but you got to get the context. Okay, so here's this guy that's got this, you know, PhD in evangelism, you know, like fishology. Okay, now yeah. <laughs> just, just roll with it. And, and he's an evangelist. I mean, he shares his faith with people. That's what he does. And he teaches. Yep. He was teaching evangelism at um, at a, a major Christian uh, university and seminary. Okay, and that's why yep. I I had yep. I'd had this class. I came from a different seminary, but it was kind of a group of us that had this special class, and we got it for credit, and it was kind of a cool deal. So. Tim's telling this story. So he's got all the credentials, right? You know, he's a Christian. Mm. He's got the evangelist label and the PhD and blah, blah, blah. So well, he, he said he gets to this, uh, like, a you know, a little convenience store. I don't know. You know what we have now. We have Casey's and Quick Trip. and Seb, we, It was maybe a 7-Eleven in the day. Are they even sure? Still, are they even still around? I don't even know. I, don't. I think there's a few of them. Okay, know. whatever. Whatever. <laughs> it's one of those kind of places, okay? And his wife had to use the restroom. <laughs> And he's standing there, and here's the issue. When they arrived there, they had been having some kind of a spat, you know. And if you're married long <laughs> enough, you know what I'm talking about. They're arguing about something, and he's feeling pretty yucky. You know, you sort of feel awful in your soul when you have these spats with your spouse. It's not fun. It's just, uh. So they walk in, and she goes to the restroom, and he's standing there looking at some magazines, and there's this woman obviously behind the cash register at the counter. And he's feeling the Lord prompt him. You know, I don't know what that is for him mm. personally, but and I've had that in my life, by the way. I don't know what all these that that is, but uh, well, I mean, I think it's a work of, of God and the Spirit. But yeah, the, the Lord's prompting him. You need to share the gospel with this woman behind the cash register, and he's right. he's ticked at his wife. He's just sitting there, kind of in a you know bad place, you know, just emotionally. He's like, no, I don't, yep. I, I yep. don't, I don't want to. I just, nah, I probably should. No, I don't really want to. I just, so he just sat there and he said, he watches this guy come in 
right out of a movie almost. He said, this biker kind of dude, you know, he's got the leather, I don't know, vest or coat on. He's got, you know, the, the look, you know, whatever, the hair and the beard, which is more popular now. But there was a time 30 years ago that was definitely a label of some sort. And, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, the tattoos, of course, everybody has them now. But you know what I mean? Just the rugged looking guy <laughs> with the cha- chains hanging off his belt, you know, with the wallet, you know, with the chain. And, you know, the right. riling, driving a Harley, you know, and he comes walk, driving right. in. And he goes up there and gets some stuff, you know, I don't know what he got to buy. And he goes up to the cash register right in front of Tim, the evangelist, the guy. Yeah. Tim stand there watches. And the guy proceeds, do you know Jesus loves you? And proceeds to have this conversation with her about the gospel. And she prays with him right there. Now, I don't know, you know, what happened in her life, but she actually prays with this guy. He leads her through prayer right there at the cash register in some kind of response to the gospel right in front of Tim. Oh my goodness. And his whole point was that God's going to get this thing done and God's going to rescue his own. And when the God's going to, and he's going to use who's ever up to bat. And, and, and that has two sides. One, it was just great conviction to Tim, you know, slap upside head a little bit. You're not, you're not all that. And it doesn't matter how many credentials you have. And I'm not trying to say Tim was had more credentials than that other guy. That's not the point. The point was it just didn't right. look. You know, it was just this contrast. But the other yep. side, the other side of it is, is God is God, and mm. and uh, whether I show up or not, if God's going to reach somebody, He's going to reach them. Mm-hmm. And you and I, Sam, exactly. You and I, Sam, have sat in other countries where we've literally sat with men looking us in the eye and women, telling us how they've had you know a dream at night. Which yep. I, I think is another story, but let me just say it quickly. They have these dreams. There are Christians and the people in the world today who tell us that they come from former religions, you know, many yep. times Islam, in all fairness. And we've met, we, Sam and I have sat and talked to them. And here, and yep. the one guy we met was an, literally an Islamic imam. And he said, Yeah, I had this dream. And I don't know if it was Jesus or an angel, but whatever this angelic being, you know, was in his dream. Right, right showed him a vision of a house in a community and said, you need to get to that house. And so the guy, I don't know what the period of time was, but for a long time, he started looking for that house and he found it, went there. Well, lo and behold, it's Christians. They shared the gospel with him. He came to faith in Christ. And Sam and I met this guy. He's an evangelist and a church, church planner in an African country today. Yeah. Uh, He's telling us the story. And we've heard. Truly truly regenerated. Yep. And we've heard a handful of these stories. Sam and I, of course. A lot of people. Of course, the reports out there is that it's happening a lot. And I don't know. Some are probably legit, maybe not. Don't need to worry about that right now. But the point being is this God's going to get to people. And the second part of that story, why, since we're on it, every story that I've heard, and so, you know, I mean, I'm just one man. We do do training conferences. We've literally been with hundreds of Christian leaders. And so I, yep. have, I have a little bit of a laboratory to hear about this. The stories yeah. I've heard, every story I've heard, every personal story I've heard, the dream or the vision led them to a Christian who gave them the gospel. Right. And I've always thought, well, exactly. God, God could give them the gospel in the dream if he wanted to. Yeah. It's not what God does. And it reminds me of the book of Acts where, you know, Philip was forced into Samaria. Remember, Jesus said in Acts 1.8, the gospel's Mm -hmm. going, you know, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. And Samaria was not, was not, there was a big divide between uh, the Jewish world and Samaritans. If you remember, the Samaritans were despised. 
and they despised right. Jews, and they didn't get along. It was really, you know, like sending. So I tell people it'd be like sending our our director of our ministry, man we love Wallace Francis. It'd be like telling Wallace he's supposed to go to a KKK convention. You know, Wallace is you know from the deep south. He's right. You know, he's got dark <laughs> uh, pigment. He's a he's a black man. Okay. So the point was, it'd be like God waking up saying, okay, you need to go to a KKK convention and share the gospel. Like, yeah, yeah, right, you know? So it's sort of yeah. like that. I'm not making light of it, but like, so when Philip is sent into Samaria, it's not a place they want to go. No. Uh, the point is, though, is that God is always using us as a, as in this participatory role. He's always bringing this divine unity by forcing people together. There's a lot to that whole theological discussion, but I just found it fascinating. Uh, actual message, the very thing we started on, Pythagorean theorem and all that, <laughs> But the vision and dream to these people was you've got to go to XYZ place, a place or this person. Uh, I heard another story. I remember a guy told me his story was that in the, his vision, it was you got to go to the people of the book, which is a statement mm. in the Quran. Mm -hmm. And he knew of in the Quran, the people of the book. And the vision was you need to go to the people of the book. They have the answer for what you're looking for. Wow. That was a number of years ago. That was another African country. That was probably 25 or 30 years ago I heard that. 25 years ago I heard that story. That was, and, yeah, he's, yeah. and he went, and he was an evangelist now. I mean, he was an evangelist. He was studying, and I, I, became, you know, I got to know him a little bit just over a week period and yep. a short time, I mean, a short period. And anyway, yeah, that, that, was, that was his story. So God has the complete capacity to put all this together and reach people. And so... Exactly. So that could probably tie back to the fishless fisherman. Like it is, it, it has, it's a two-edged sword. You know, there, there, we need to be convicted about it. But, right. I, but, you know, um, to my dear sweet sister Jane, who's with the Lord today, she, well done, good and faithful servant. Right. She, exactly. She had a heart for that. She was all about the gospel. <laughs> yeah. And that's what's so. I mean, just for me, and I yeah. I mean, and it's you could say it's it's your big text too, but it really is. I mean, I think it is for a lot of evangelists. in Second Corinthians two. Yeah. It's just, man. Hey, well, let's, let's read that again. Lose. Can, can you read it again, Sam? We read it in the yeah, other. Yeah, I can read it again. Yeah, you're it's one of my well. It. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Second Corinthians two. I mean, it says. But thanks be to I God. Mean, contextually. Contextually, Paul just, you know, he was in Trios, I can't say that word, or the, that town, whatever, and, and Timothy wasn't there, or Titus wasn't there, so he was kind of grieved. But then he says, but thanks be to God, starting in verse 14, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death, to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Yep. So, I mean, again, we've been hammering this one home, but good grief. Like, yep. evangelism, I mean, evangelism is always triumphing. Like, we're always victorious when we go and preach the gospel. Yeah, and, 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 no, and notice, the notice part of the... Part of the Triumph is that it's a sweet aroma of Christ to God. There's right. a sense in which glorifying. Yeah, it's glorifying this, to God. This proclamation and yep. you can yep. really think about it. It's like as you preach this gospel, as it's coming out of your mouth, like these words, this content about the work, the life, the the crucifixion, the resurrection of Christ. 
it's it's just like it smells good to God. <laughs> so, I'm laughing. This is a podcast, so everybody, you guys are all just hearing us talk. But Sam and I are actually watching each other on the computer, <laughs> and both of us, yeah. as we're talking about this, our arms are out and we're swinging. Oh, our, we're all we're, over the place. We're preaching, <laughs> like like this is our thing. You know, it's like oh, it's fun man. watching you do this, like out of your well, mouth. It's like our, just imagine our hands are flying in the air right now, because they are. It's like. Yes, right. it's it's this aroma to God, and it's always it's always triumphal. Exactly, and I mean, and again, whether death to death, life to life. And here's the thing: we've been hitting on this. You know, we you guys, I mean, if you've listened to any of my podcasts, I, I did a big giant series on the doctrines of grace. You know, you're like you know, I'm a Calvinist. If you've listened to anything that I've been talking about, and you realize that I, I didn't know that, I, Sam. I, I truly, be- <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know it. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm being facetious. Okay. Right. I mean, anybody that's around me for two seconds knows that. I'm um, not, but I'm not, dude. I'm not a Calvinist. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm a biblicist, man. I love the Bible. Well, okay. Yeah, I didn't even get into that discussion. <laughs> I don't care what John Calvin said. I want to know what the Bible says. Now, isn't it interesting? Right. Okay. John Calvin did a great job <laughs> at exposing the Bible. <laughs> he did. He did. Exactly. That's the point. So the, po- yeah. so the point is. The point is, God has his foreknown, foreloved, predestined elect. He's going to save them. The means by which he saves them is through the proclamation of this message, the gospel. So he's going to get it to people. And whether you don't know who these people are, you don't know who the elect are. Charles Spurgeon said, you know, if I, if I could lift up somebody's shirt and I could see an E stamped to their, their stomach or their back or somewhere, just an E written on them like a tattoo, I would preach only to them, an E standing for elect. He says, I don't. So I got to be faithful to preach the gospel to everyone, all creatures, throughout all creation. And that's our task is, hey, I don't know who God's lost sheep are. I don't know who the elect are. So I'm going to preach to everybody. And I'm going to get, I I, I want to be a guy who just talks yeah. about the gospel. But say, you know, Sam, yeah, I'm not going to go down a rabbit trail on that because we're supposed to be getting the methods. But oh, man. when I say a rabbit trail, and I every time I talk this way, some of my Reformed brothers who are, you know, who I, that's the waters I swim in, and I am. Yep. They get nervous yep. about me. Here's my point, though. There, there, There is a great doctrinal truth. It's like the Trinity. It's like Jesus was fully man, fully God. And you're going to say, well, how can that be? How could Jesus die on the cross and somehow be separated from the Father when he's one God, right? Yep, yep. Guys, uh, folks listening, this is the great mystery of the Scriptures. Mystery doesn't mean contradiction. It just means, like, how could I possibly understand how that works? I We said right. it earlier with procreation, like, I really did participate, but my children and my life, your life, if you're listening to this, was ordained before the foundations of the world for crying out loud. Yeah. Yeah. I can't get my mind around that. Right. And so we're supposed right. to be in awe of it. So even Sam, when you talk about elections, I so I because I don't want somebody who is still working through thinking that, missing the greater message we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I really would. I would have that discussion and argument. But there's a mystery in that. There's a there's a divine, profound, worshipful awe of like, wow, God's got exactly. this thing. Okay, so let's set that aside, though. What we're trying yeah. to say, though, is whether you got that figured out or not, Yeah. there's still this glory in proclaiming the gospel. Yeah. So if you tend to be, you're listening to this and you're more Wesleyan, don't, don't miss it. It's, it still applies for you just as much. I mean, Wesley had, was all over this. 
you know. Oh man, yeah, we're, we're called to the gospel like crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're called to proclaim the gospel of the world, and it brings great glory to us because we've been created. I'm not glory to us; it brings great fulfillment and joy in us. But it brings glory yep. to the Father, whether people respond or not. That's what we keep emphasizing. And man, yep. Sam, yep. I think we've only said it 103 times already, so we don't probably need to keep saying it. But we sort of feel like we oh, want right. to keep saying it, right? Yep. Yep. So, yep. so. So Here, I want to transition us a little bit. Yeah, to you want to say something. Well, no, I think transition to methods. I'm looking forward to you know. Even right. Yeah, we've been talking about, about all this. <laughs> so how did we're back? We're, we're back. Doing... Yeah, we're back. We're back where we were it started. But that's okay. Let's move on now. Okay. Uh, Good. Yeah, and it, we're. I mean, we're we're coming close to an hour, so we will probably make this a part two. Yeah. Um. But. Here's what I want to give us. I want to give us a framework a little bit to okay, start good. to think about, kind yeah. of get more into the nuts and bolts of methods and how it plays out. And again, we'll we'll probably furnish her all all these things with stories because we have so many stories of of how things just happen to work out. You know, yeah. evangelism yeah. for us. Um, but if you, when I took my evangelism class in seminary, and Dan he talked about one of his evangelism classes he taught he took and when he was in seminary and. When I took mine, my professor put together an analytical study of the 55 evangelistic um, conversations from the Gospels in the Book of Acts. So took 55 of them, analyzed them, came up with some numbers. Uh, but some of the categories are int- interesting. So as we think about methods, we kind of have to think about categories of people that we come across. So the first category is acquaintance. Is this person that I want to preach the Gospel to? Are they? Do I know who they are? are? Are they a stranger to me? Have I ever seen them before? Have, do I have a relationship with? Are they a family member? Have I lived my whole life with them? And are they a coworker, like acquaintance? Um, and you know, interesting. I'm gonna pull up this 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 survey. When it comes to the the 55 um, evangelistic conversations in the Gospels and the Book of Acts, you see that 39 of that- those. This, inc- this includes Acts, too? Yep, this includes Acts. Okay, good, okay. So 39 yep. of those gospel presentations, those evangelistic encounters, were with between an evangelist and a, and we call it the contact. That's the technical term, the person that doesn't know Christ at that point. 39 of those were not acquaintance, meaning they did not they didn't know each other. They 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 weren't friends. They 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 were strangers. To so each other. so you're saying they were not they were not even what you would call an acquaintance, right? Not an acquaintance. This was just exactly somebody on the street you met. Yep, five of those were with people that had relationships. They were an, they were acquaintances, and then nine are unsure. We don't really know from the context of the of the okay. scriptures. So, so the point is is like. You know, you hear people say this. This is this is a pitfall in methodology. Hey, you need to form a relationship with somebody before, uh, before you can yep. share the gospel. You need to form a relationship. People won't trust you until you form a relationship with them. It's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. They don't need to trust me. They trust in Sam to be saved mm-hmm. or trust in Christ. Right. That's so the you hear, you know, I, I've heard that a lot. I yeah, heard that a I lot, a lot. I know it. And my, my whole life go, I've been told this. <laughs> oh, man. He goes, wait a minute. If we want to go to the scriptures and if we want to formulate our methodology off of the scriptures, we go, okay, well, really, 39 of the people that, you know, 39 of these evangelistic conversations, they were 
they didn't have a relationship. So that kind of proves that wrong. Second, what did Jesus, where did Jesus say was the, the least fruitful places of his ministry? His hometown. Like the people that he actually had relationships with before his ministry that those were the people that rejected him the most. So it's like, Sam, you don't actually see that in scripture. That's a great point, Sam. I forgot about, you know, I mean, I didn't forget that he was rejected by his own, but in, in re- linking that to this discussion, that's a fascinating thought. Like, yeah, it's fascinating. Right. And, and I've been it's, told that my came, whole life. It's funny, this friendship thing. I, Again, we've already covered this. Of course, we want people to like us and be friends, but isn't that, it's an interesting thing. I've been told my whole life, you know, I've been kind of, you know, bold and sharing with people. And so I've had yep. two people, oh, you know, we don't like to do it like you. We want to, you know, friendship. And then I wonder, well, how many people have you ever really talked to about the gospel and with your friendship idea? And I'm not dogging keep, it. Kicking the pebble down the road. Yeah, I, I wonder. So there's that story of D.L. Moody, and I probably got the quote wrong. If you heard that, like some woman come up and said, you know, because he would go out every day. He had, a, he had a desire to at least share the gospel with somebody every day is what the stories are yeah. told. And he yep. would go, go to bed at night, again, stories, maybe a little legend. I don't know, but it's probably a reality to a large degree and he'd go to bed and thought I didn't really get to share the gospel with somebody today and he literally would get out of bed and go walk around the street at night and find somebody (laughs) and then before he went but (laughs) you know what a great story even you know but the point being is that some some woman said you know I don't like the way you do it you know I don't like how you do this and well how do you you know of course the story is you know he asked the young lady uh, or the woman well, well, how do you do? Well, I really don't, or something like that. Well, I like my method better. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Like, his point was, okay, you can keep dabbling with friendships, and I'm not against that, but I'm going to go talk to people. Yep. I'm going to go yep. share the guests. And, you know, I was, I was thinking of both the Fishless Fishermen, stuff you were saying, Sam, and even this. I remember coming to Faith in Christ, okay? Young guy mm-hmm. in my 20s, so, you know, yep. almost 40 years ago now. And then thinking, oh, I'm supposed to be part of a church. This tells you how this mm. links for me. See, I didn't have this like church life. I didn't. I didn't mm. put all these pieces. I mean, I'm not stupid, but I just, I, I didn't understand the church piece in light of me coming to know Christ. Now I'm thinking, oh, it means I'm connected to these Christians. My point would, I would walk into this institutional thing, and I and I'd be like, why do you guys do what you do? You know. And part of it was, yep. I, I, I literally, literally, as this young Christian who didn't even know anything about what you talk about earlier, Calvinist, whatever, I didn't know any of this stuff. I yeah, just, yeah. I just knew right, this right. gospel, and I knew Christ had saved me, and I started telling people. And, I mean, it's true, you know, and I started telling people. And then I'd go to the church, and I would meet Christians in the church, and I would tell them these stories of all these people I was talking to. And... I right. kind of get critiqued and ridiculed, to be honest with you. Like, well, yeah, they're not really Christians, and and then <laughs> you know, and I would like, well, wait a minute, like, what are you guys doing? You know, you guys get here and you get meet in your fisherman fellowships, but like, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I, I get it. And as I've grown in life, I understand that again, and I'm part of that deeply in my own life, part of the mm-hmm. local group of believers. I understand it. I get it. Obedience to it. At the same time, though, there's a whole world out there that I see. And there's mm-hmm. this huge disconnect from the people inside that room often and the world mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. And yet they live in that world out there. And so my burden is always that bridge, right? Like, how do I even help Christians? That's why I'm careful right. with exactly. all of this. I don't. I, the last thing I want to do is guilt somebody into doing something. I want them to see the glory and the wonder of participating, right? They don't. 
need to feel right. guilty about that's that's stupid but anyway um exactly so i love you i love so, yeah, that- you so, so you're giving some analysis statistically that thir- let me go back and say it of the 55 encounters that we show and acts in jesus yep. jesus himself 39 of them were with people that you're using the word acquaintance See, i think of acquaintance probably different but th- these are 39 people that this was like maybe the first time that there was a discussion with them right I mean, like exactly. on the, again on the street, this was the cold contact kind of idea. They, it wasn't right. Well, I mean, it wasn't years about Jesus's. Yeah. I'm with you. I got you. I mean, yep. So right. third, so thirty nine of the fifty five. That's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. Right. So, that is a lot. So, so then you got six. That is a lot. I'm looking at your numbers here. So you got sixteen others, but for the most part, it was just people coming in contact with people and talking. Yeah, right. and and this is yep. this goes back to that organic, you yep. know, people that you. Yep. Are around. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's really amazing. So th- yeah. what I'm trying to do is create categories for us here. So we have people you know, people you don't know. I know acquaintance, not acquaintance. People you know, people you don't know. Strangers, not strangers. Yep, good. Um, and then you could say, then you can create a category too of initiation. This is interesting. So who is the person that initiates the conversation on spiritual things on the gospel. So sometimes we think that, well, evangelism has to always be initiated by the evangelist, the person wanting to go share the gospel. That's how evangelism is. It's always, it's always something that we decide, we, we, we decide we're going to go evangelizing. Now we're going to go talk about the gospel and we're the ones that initiates the conversation. Well, again, you look at the 55 conversations, an analytical study, and you realize, well, it's not the case. 25 of those 55 conversations were initiated by the contact, meaning by the person that did not know Christ. They came initiating the conversation to the evangelist, to Jesus, to the apostle, to somebody in, the, in our biblical examples. And then 19 were evangelist initiated. So that would be more what we think of when we go out evangelizing. We're the ones doing the initiation. Three of them were with a third party. Two of them were initiated by God, and six of them were actually initiated by a judicial system, which is interesting. Again, complexity. It's like there is just no like one way. But the point is, is that, and this is again where we kind of, if we want to come full circle a little bit, and then we're we're right around an hour now, so yeah. we're gonna wrap up on this, and we'll just use this again as a segue for part two on methods. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, but kind of go, going full circle with how Dan was talking about the Pythagorean theorem. How do you you know how do you live that out? There is something, in a sense, interesting about your lifestyle, though, like how you live as a Christian when it as it relates to evangelism, and it kind of has to do it ties in with the contact initiation. So if you want to have somebody initiate an evangelistic conversation or a spiritual conversation with you, this isn't always the case, but some you kind of have to present yourself as somebody who is you know, able to be initiated with, if that makes sense, or somebody that might have an answer to this spiritual question that somebody has. Um, and so an example for that for me is I've tried to, in my evangelistic ministry, 
do both be the initiator and and then have myself be initiated with so at at the ndsu campus north dakota state university i rent a booth in the in the memorial memorial union at ndsu and it's just a table where you know you can people you know promote things or market things or sell things or blah 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 and what i do is i just put up a sign that says got questions we're christians ask us anything you want about our faith and i sit there I sit there with my mouth closed and people read that sign. They, I mean, and they come up and they initiate a conversation with me. They come with their questions rather than me coming with my questions. And so that's kind of a, in a sense, a, a method for that type of, you know, I'm presenting myself and you could say, Hey, maybe you're being the one that's initiating with your sign. But in a sense, you know, I'm not, yeah, people are coming up to me. Well, Sam, that's what I was thinking when you when you gave me that statistic. I, 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 and by the way, I know you sent me all those charts. I need to go look at those myself in more detail because I do have a question about that quickly, and I know we need to wrap up now and segue for another time. But mm-hmm. when we say they initiated with Jesus or initiated with the evangelist, I would tend to think, though, there must have been some setting that they saw that that person had some answer or right, they, were, that's what I'm saying. they were curious about something. It wasn't like just, I'm walking down the street, somebody comes up and walks up and says, hey, why don't you tell me about Jesus? Right. <laughs> it's not like that. But there are stories of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to dismiss that there are these supernatural right, moments. Right. Well, it's all, yeah. it's all supernatural, but in the organic reality of life, somehow um, you've presented yourself or put yourself in a situation Right, and you're talking. You're a you know guy in full time ministry, and you go create this booth. Most people aren't going to do that. It's right, a cool right. idea. You're using it as a concept. I do something similar, as you know. I've been going into the jail system, the local county jail, for yep, yep, twenty three years now. I think, literally, yeah. literally, other than all this COVID stuff, and a few times a year, I probably am in the jail forty five times, forty forty to forty five days, uh, you know, weeks a year. Yeah, and it's not like I have a full blown like quote unquote jail ministry. It's not like that. It's just I go anywhere right. I can and share the gospel with people. And so what I do yep. in the jail system is I go in, and they all know this. The, the guards know this. I've actually seen some guards come to Christ. In fact, I just ran into one. Yep. I, I, let's come back to that. Ask me about the guard story, okay? Sure. Ask me about in part um, two. Okay, because it's a cool story. Meeting a guard and not even same thing, never knowing anything. And I just ran into him in a church here recently in the last year, and he told mm-hmm. me I was the guy that had led him to Christ. I didn't even know that. You know, I just had yep. talked to him about the gospel. But anyway, uh, with that said, I go to the jail similar to you do in your booth, and they get to pile in a room, and it'll be yep. you know ten to twenty guys a week. You know, sometimes less, maybe six or seven, but often you know seven, eight, nine, ten guys to a uh, twenty guys every week. And it's a jail system, so it's a county jail, so there's a revolving door. It's not like prison yep. guys are there forever. Some guys are there a little longer, but, you know, they're there in some holding pattern. They're either going to get out or they're going to get sent to prison. So they're there for for the most part a short time. So I get to get sure. a lot of different guys. And yeah. the bottom line is this. They come in and we say, you can ask me anything you want. Yep. Something you read in the Bible, some skeptic. You know, say skeptic or honest question you have about why we believe what we believe. We're Christians, yep. blah blah blah, and it opens up this door. And literally, yep. literally, it doesn't. You know, there's an art to that, and I've been doing it my whole life. I understand that, but 
and I take guys with me that I mentor and they learn how to do this too. But it doesn't matter yep. what they ask me. I, you know, I try to give them an honest answer to their question, but my mind is always like, okay, how does this question lead me to the gospel? <laughs> yep, exactly. So, so I would say of the 45 weeks, let's just say 45 times that I'm there a year, 38 times weeks, I'm literally on the gospel before I leave. And I tell these guys, uh, you need to turn from your sin and trust Christ. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. need to go back to your cell when I leave. And if you're serious about doing business with God, you need to get on your knees and talk to God. Mm-hmm. And I give them some scriptures to read and some things. And, I, and, you know, and at the end of the day, I can't save you. Only God can save you. And saying a prayer with me right. isn't going to save you. Um, right. Not that you can't pray and put your trust in Christ. You know, that's how right. you, you kind of do come to God and talk to him. And, right. But it's not about jumping through some hoop. And uh, Right. And over the years, we'll come back to that in another session here. I can tell you stories of guys that have, have come up to me years later. Hey, by the way, Dan, you're the one that led me to Christ. I'm like, really? Wow. You know, I didn't even I didn't say that. I, didn't, I had no idea. Right. Okay. So, yeah, let's just let's have that be a wrap-up for this one. Yeah. Um, and, again, we'll, we'll go right into part two. So hopefully you just can, you know, you can listen yep. to part two and we'll have more stories we'll have more categories to think about methodology yeah this would be fun um, maybe even just some practical stuff that we've used throughout you know and throughout our evangelistic ministry yeah. and things like that but yeah, yeah em- emphasize that too too well we've talked a lot of you know the beauty of this podcast right sam and that's why originally when you asked me there's a lot to talk about the background why we think the way we do the theology yep. the yep. philosophy of ministry and that's what we've been doing a lot of and so yep. for those listening, yeah, I would want to emphasize, like, we really do want to, uh, you know, say practically. I mean, we're going to s- share some stories of, like, how, how I got from, you know, talking to a guy on the street to the gospel. You know, how did that happen? Yep. yep. And give you guys, because right. actually, actually, there are s- a certain consistencies with some of those. I mean, there some, are. somewhat. And, and hopefully you can learn from that, and you'll go out and find some of that stuff. So we want to get there, though, right? I mean, that's what we want yep, to do. Yep, exactly. But, okay. So that's what we'll be doing. In the next episode, hopefully you listen to it. Um, But thanks for listening to this one. Have a good day. Bye.